exactly are in those shots? You know, the clot shots, the death shots. We're going to talk about that. It will open your eyes tonight. Also, Muslims think people on the left are idiots, and that's why they love them. You won't believe this one, but it makes sense. And thousands of patriots march, just not in America. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Monday. We made it through the weekend. Yes, we did. And uh, wow, a lot happened over the weekend. We got all that and a lot more coming up we're going to talk about tonight. Jam-packed show with all kinds of stuff happening. You're not going to want to miss this. Some great videos and all coming up. Right now, though, we want to introduce you to Blackout Coffee. If you're tired of the same old liberal-flavored crap coffee brands, go with Blackout Coffee. Look, we love Blackout Coffee around this house. I, I personally recommend it. I drink probably, what, three, four, five, three, four, five, or six cups of coffee every day, including right now on this show. And uh, it is a coffee company committed to two things, conservative values, which is important, but great coffee, too, which is really important. From sourcing the beans with local co-ops, American farmers, uh, the roasting process, consumer support, customer support, shipping. Blackout Coffee has an amazing work ethic. They are dedicated to you, and they are dedicated to this country and our troops also. You'll see that on the website. Be awake, not woke. Zero compromise on taste, quality, a full-flavored, rich coffee, never bitter. Their quick roasting process, here's how it happens. When you order, within 24 to 48 hours usually, they roast your beans and ship them out to you. Another few days to get to your door, and there you go. That is fresh roasted. Those crap brands you buy on the shelf, you don't know how long they sat on the shelf. You don't know how long ago they were roasted. <clears throat> the difference between a fresh roasted bag of beans and that junk, night and day. You're going to want to check them out. Just go over to the website, use the link in our show notes. Grab a single bag if you want. You can order more, of course. Order all you want. But uh, all you need to do is just grab one bag, have it delivered, try it out. Trust me, you will never drink another coffee in your life because nothing beats blackout coffee. Link in our show notes. And don't forget while you're there, if you, when you check out, if you use the link, you'll get that 20% discount. But just in case... J20, J-A-Y-20, use that code at checkout for 20% off your first order. J20 is our code, J-A-Y-20, 20% off your first order, and that is a hell of a deal. Blackout Coffee, mm -mm. I live on it, I really do. Thank you, Blackout Coffee, very proud to have you as a part of this uh, this program and helping to support our show. And thank those of you who have been over to Blackout Coffee and supported the show. We really do appreciate that. As a matter of fact, speaking of appreciating, Stingray 101-2000, thank you for following the show. I really thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you have an account at Rumble, which is free, if you don't sign up, it's easy, it's quick, it's free. If you do, make sure you hit that follow button, which I think is about here. Uh, it's a green button with an oval says follow. Just click it, that's it. Doesn't cost a dime. Michael Aubergine, 
Thank you for your comment. Barbara Hathaway followed uh, the show. Thank you very much, Barbara. We like to give shout outs to the folks who uh, come on board. We really, really do appreciate that. All right. What's in the shots? This is from Australia, but doesn't matter where it's from. It is uh, the uh, thelightaustralia.com. The link to this is in our show notes. And man, what a headline. What's in the shots? A shocking discovery. I am not going to read this whole thing. It gets a little wonky in the middle, but it's a, it's a fairly easy read. While running an experiment in his Boston lab, Kevin McKernan, back in early 2023, this year, made an accidental discovery. He used virals of mRNA Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines as controls. And he was shocked to find out they were contaminated with tiny fragments of plasmid DNA. He previously managed R&D on Human Genome Project, ran the experiment again, confirmed the vials contained up to 18 to 70 times more DNA contamination. 18 to 70 times more than the legal limits allowed by the European Medicines Agency, EMA, and the Food and Drug Administration. McKernan was uh, concerned to find the presence of an SV40 promoter in the Pfizer vaccine. That is a sequence that is used to drive DNA into the nucleus especially in gene therapies. He explains that that's something regulatory agencies around the world have specifically said is not possible with mRNA vaccines. He found it. Raised the alarm, posted everything to Twitter, now X, of course, and Substack, with a call out to other scientists to see if they could replicate his findings, because that's what science is all about, folks. Other scientists soon confirmed McKernan's findings, although the amount of DNA contamination was variable, suggested inconsistency of vials depending on batch lots. Luck of the draw, Russian roulette, with your life. One of the scientists was a cancer genomic expert, Dr. Buchholz, proponent of the mRNA platform and has received the Pfizer COVID vaccine himself. In September, he shared his findings in a South Carolina hearing in the Senate, stating he was kind of alarmed you think, about this DNA being in the vaccine. He said there is a very real hazard that the contaminant DNA fragments will integrate with a person's genome, you, me, and become a permanent fixture in the cell. 
Did you hear what I just said? Hmm. That's the crap they forced, in a lot of cases, into your arm. As I often say, happy about that? That's the crap they are still trying to force into your arm. And there's a whole bunch of sheeple out there who are just going, yep, give me another one, give me another one, give me another one. I love my 17th booster. Folks, it's a PDF. Don't be afraid. It's not a virus or anything. It's a PDF link online <clears throat> from the light in Australia. You must read this whole article. It will open your eyes. And if you are one of these vaccine clot shot supporters, please, especially you, must. you won't. You prefer to be fat and happy and just nod your head and smile and wave. Just agree with everything the government tells you because, you know, they'd never try and harm you. Big Pharma. Mm. Yeah, they never would do anything like that. Or would they? This next article is a follow-up to a story I did last week. And... It's, it's finally come to this. Again, it's the UK, but it won't be long. I do these stories because what happens over there, or Australia, or the Far East, it's just a matter of time. You remember the story about Indy Gregory, the little baby who was on life support? They murdered her. I know. The hospital has yanked her life support over their over her parents' objections. A court rejected a plea to let her live. This is disgusting. There she is. My God. Is this what society has turned to? Turned into? Look at that face. They pulled the plug on her in spite of her parents' objections. Heartbreaking loss on Friday. UK appeals court ruled that the hospital could proceed with ending Indy's life-saving medical care despite her parents' desperate efforts to get her to a hospital who offered to provide her care free of charge. A Vatican hospital stepped up and agreed to provide care for this eight-month-old baby Indy Gregory. British court ruled her life support could be revoked even though her parents were fighting for her life. Not enough for the parents of this little girl to get a British appellate court to rule in their favor. So Friday, doctors withdrew the life support 
She's fighting a very rare mitochondrial disease. A spokesman for Christian Concern, a pro-life legal group helping the Gregory family, said life support had been withdrawn. Indy was moved from the Queen's Medical Center in Nottingham, murdering bastards that they are, <clears throat> to a hospice. Indy's father said, She's fighting hard. Humanity has lost it, folks. Look at this child. Look at this baby. You pull the plug on that? Pull the plug on her? When an Italian hospital has offered to treat her, I don't care how hopeless her case might be. One tiny sliver of hope is enough. And these bastards pulled the plug. Murdered her. There is just simply no other way to say it. beyond me. All right. Sorry, I didn't mean to pause for so long, but this story just gets under my skin. I hope it gets under yours, too. You ready to see some protests? These are huge, huge protests. Enormous protests. Take a look at this. Wow, look at that crowd. These are patriots. Look at that. Dang. What is this like, uh, Chicago, New York, LA? Oh, uh, no. It's Spain. Yeah. This is a, what looks like hundreds of thousands of Spanish patriots protesting against the socialist government. Yeah. That's Spanish patriots. And what are we doing here in this country? What are our patriots doing? Look at that. There's another shot. Same place, Spain. Wow. Insane. They're not putting up with any crap over there in Spain. Good on you. We can learn a lesson. And yes, Ali London, thank you for the link on uh, X. Austin, Texas. There you go. Thousands of pro-Hamas activists take to the streets, shouting, shouting, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free.
So there's your American patriots. Now look, you can make the argument that at least these terror-loving, terrorist-loving idiots have the right, and they do, make no mistake about it. This is America. You have an absolute right to your opinion and free speech, First Amendment. Absolutely. I disagree with you. I think you're morons. But you have a right, and that's a great thing in this country, that we have that right. I, You have a right to river to the sea yourself to death, and I have a right to call you an asshole, because you are. Spain, not so much. They don't have a First Amendment, but boy, a whole bunch of patriots over there did use their right to gather. It's an interesting con uh, contest between, uh, contrast, I should say, between Spain and good old U.S. of A. All right, we haven't hit on the old environment, climate change scam in a while. And I found this from Lander and the News, a great, a great uh, poster over on X. It's at Elander News. Always a good, uh, good read. Subscribe, follow her if you can. This is great. So your, uh, your wind turbines, how are they going? Yeah, working out good for you, saving on all that oil and petrol. Yeah. You know what this is? Well, it used to be a lake. Now, kilometers of millions of tons of bubbling sludge made up of toxic chemicals and radioactive waste. This is where they mine neodymium. That neodymium is a key component in your ecologically climate scam windmills. Take a look. Millions of tons. This used to be a lake. Not anymore. It is a giant sludge pit filled with toxic chemicals and radioactive waste so you can have a windmill. Wow. That ought to open your eyes. I would think. Hey, got another one for you. Did you know math is racist? Oh yeah, not just math. Either I got a couple stories here. There used to, <laughs> there used to be a, a big joke. Pretty soon, people are going to start claiming math is racist. Well, guess what? It's pretty soon, right now. Washington Examiner, not a joke anymore. They are actually claiming math is racist. According to Rochelle Guterres, an education professor, a professor at the University of Illinois, this is an excerpt from a campus reform write-up. It is not a joke, unless this professor is putting on an 
admirably epic long-term hoax. Listen to this, quoting, on many levels, mathematics itself operates as whiteness. Who gets credit for doing and developing mathematics? Who is capable in mathematics? Who is seen as part of the mathematical community is generally viewed as white. She also worries that algebra and geometry perpetuate privilege, fretting that curricula emphasizing terms like the Pythagorean theorem and pi perpetuate a perception that mathematics was largely developed by Greeks and other Europeans. These are the kind of freak morons who are teaching your kids that you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases to send them to college to listen to morons like this. Moron. Yes, I'm talking to you, Illinois professor. Rochelle Gutierrez. That's just scratching the surface. Ancient Greece, remembered for its flourishing of learning, science, literature, philosophy, a surprisingly large amount of which survived the ages, and you and I are all better off for it. Now, the Greeks are also, unfortunately, credit accredited with inventing the academy. If that means we have them to blame for Professor Gutierrez's scholarship, Maybe she has a point after all. Yeah. So, there you go. That's the latest. No more math. It's racist. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, we got another confirmed conspiracy theory. Yep. This is a good one. This is a video. Take a look, take a listen. Conspiracy theory number 347 million confirmed. Tony Pellerico tried to crank up the AC. I mean, it was 90, I mean, it was right during the peak period. That's when he found out he had no control of his thermostat. A message from Excel on his thermostat saying temperature locked during an energy emergency. And our thermostat was locked in at 78 or 79. Turns out he's not alone. Excel confirms to contact number seven, 22,000 customers were locked out of their smart thermostats for hours on Tuesday. To me, an emergency means there is, you know, life, limb, or, you know, some other danger out there, some massive wildfires. He says he had no idea locked thermostats came with that, and it's not what he signed up for. It just doesn't sit right with us to not be able to control our own thermostat in our house. There you go. For any reason, a energy emergency, whatever the hell that is. And with these smart meters, smart thermostats, smart homes, they control it. You don't. That guy wanted to lower his air conditioning. And the government, otherwise known as the power company, said, mm, not today. 
We're locking you out. It's, and you're going to get behind a central bank digital currency where they can lock you out of basically your life. Can't buy things, can't fly, can't go places, can't leave your house, can't buy petrol, gasoline. That's what a CBDC will do for you. And if you think they're not planning that, you watch that link again. Rewind the show if you want afterwards. The link is in our show notes. Share it out on your social media. It's happening, folks. It is happening right in front of your eyes. Lefties. I love this. This is so good because it's so true. Here's a quote. Who is this from? I put it in the link. Ah, Imam Muhammad Tahidi. An Imam in the Muslim faith is like a priest or a, a clergy, if you don't know. Anyway, this guy was interviewed by Dinesh D'Souza, an incredible uh, follow here on Rumble. Please check him out. Subscribe, follow Dinesh. And also, uh, does great films. If you haven't seen his latest, Police State, he did uh, 2,000 Mules, which was brilliant. Police State is wow. The left have no values or principles to begin with. You hear that, lefties? This is from the Imam. Muslims think you're stupid. His words, not mine. And they have hijacked your party because they can manipulate you with emotions. You have been duped. And you know, when you think about it, what he has, I'm going to play this in a minute. It's a very short little video. His words from this imam. Republicans, right-wing folks like you and me, have principles. They don't change. Our principles are cast in concrete. They don't change. We don't hear some, see some headline in the New York Times and suddenly, ooh, we're all behind this. And then something else happens and ooh, we're all behind that. We hold fast to our principles. That's why we can't be swayed. We deal in truth. The left, whatever the current thing is, they'll follow it. Truer words were never spoken. Listen to this imam. To this, I would only vote left. Why is that? I saw them as very stupid. I would fear the conservatives because they come with principle. That's not someone they can brainwash. But the left, I know they have no values and no principles to begin with. I dare you to find one Islamic extremist that votes for Donald Trump. Never do it. They'd give their vote to the leftist who wants to 
run around in, in pride parades. And Islamic extremists are against gays and homosexuals and, and transgenders, but they want the left to go and get busy with that. They want them, go, go, go speak about the climate. Go, go, go speak about abortion. Go, go kill yourselves. Go, go do that. What did I tell you? I mean, from his lips, I have never heard a better explanation as to exactly why the left is the way the left is. Think, please, I don't have a whole lot of lefty commie morons who watch this show because it's not for you. But in case you happen to stumble across this by some mistake, watch that again. Listen to it. Tell me he's wrong. He's not wrong. He's absolutely not wrong. It's just a post with words on the page. I'm not going to actually show you, although I did put the link in our show notes. This is from Red Pill Bot. So you can already tell where this guy's head is at. And on X, it's at red pill B0T, not B-O-T, B-0T, okay? But he wrote something that caught my eye and I had to share it, credit and hat tip to Red Pillbot. Why do people refuse to research anything yet demand that we, the conservatives, Spoon-feed them proof. Then you give them proof, and they don't even read it, or look it up, or click a link. It's like, I don't want to know. They say, well, that's not a reliable news source, or that's not a reliable doctor always an excuse why they stick to their ridiculous provably wrong talking points it relates back to the imam's statement in the last story and you know man that boom that hit it right on the head when I saw that they say something oh the, uh, the shots the clot shot you know they're perfectly safe. Everything's fine. I'm going for my 20th booster. You send them an article or you show them an article and there's thousands of them out there, like the one we began this show with. See how it all comes full circle? And they just, they won't read it. They won't get, they just shut off, hit the switch in their brain, however they do that. But when when we make a statement, they want to see the proof, which they then ignore. When they make a statement, oh, it's just no proof necessary. Because I said it, that's the way it is. I haven't used this phrase in a long time, but shut up and sit down. We're tired of your bullshit. And we're not listening anymore. And we don't care. And the sooner we get some sort of a giant protest like what I showed you happened in Spain, we are long overdue for that. Long overdue. I think people are still January 6th phobia 
into any large gathering of patriots, sadly, do not be afraid. Do not fear fear. Mm. Name of the game. Kay got one more. <laughs> I love this. We have here in our neighborhood a huge mosquito problem. I mean a huge mosquito problem. And they bite nasty. I think I must be partly allergic or something. People do all kinds of, we've got these little coils you burn and the smoke comes out and that's supposed to, our mosquitoes here are like industrial strength, Bill Gates kind of mosquitoes. Truly, they're, they're the U.S. Marines of mosquitoes in my neighborhood. Take a look at this kid. I don't know where this is from. I can't hat tip or give credit because it, it's not marked. But this is absolutely brilliant. It starts off about right as the kid is doing what he's doing. Yeah, let, me, let me flip over and show you before I hit play. Is it, there's the kid there. I get my mouse back okay there's the kid and you see this is a handphone with the flashlight turned on you'll see what he does here and what a brilliant idea watch see all the bugs around the light where everybody's gathered now watch he takes his light and all the bugs follow his light out they're following him follow look at that they're all following the light of the handphone. And then he shuts it off and they all go up to the street light. Huh? Genius or what? This kid's a freaking genius. He drew the bugs away from the party with his handphone and then turned it off and they all went up to the street light. Smart kid. This kid is going places. I love that. Links in our show notes. Check it out if you want. That's very, very cool. All right. Lord of the Flies. Guess what? We are on the last chapter. Yep. We read books on our show. We've been doing it for almost 500 shows now. We've done all kinds of classic children's literature. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, The Jungle Book, Winnie the Pooh, The Little Prince. So many great books. Then uh, from a viewer's suggestion, actually, we did uh, George Orwell. We read 1984 and then Animal Farm. We went back kind of into the children's classic, a little older children book. I wouldn't recommend it for seven or eight-year-olds, but, you know, the teenage years, it used to be a requirement. You used to teach it in school. At one point, this book was banned, believe it or not. But yeah, Lord of the Flies by William Golding, first published back in 1954. We are beginning chapter 12. It is the final chapter. It's a very long chapter, so it's going to probably take us the rest of this week to get through it. But we will get through it. And then we'll move on to Treasure Island. Yeah finally decided we're doing Treasure Island next. What a classic book. Can't wait. All right. So, Lord of the Flies, Chapter 12. The chapter is called Cry of the Hunters. Ralph lay in a covert 
wondering about his wounds. The bruised flesh was inches in diameter over his right ribs, with a swollen, bloody scar where the spear had hit him. His hair, full of dirt, tapped like the tendrils of a creeper. All over he was scratched and bruised from his fight and flight through the forest. By the time his breathing was normal again, he'd worked out that bathing these injuries would have to wait. How could you listen for naked feet if you were splashing in the water? How could you be safe by the little stream or on an open beach? Ralph listened. He wasn't really far from Castle Rock, and during the first panic, he'd thought he heard sounds of pursuit. But the hunters had only sneaked into the fringes of the greenery, retrieving spears, perhaps, and then rushed back to the sunny rock as if terrified of the darkness under the leaves. He'd even glimpsed one of them, stripped brown, black, and red, and had judged that it was Bill. But really, thought Ralph, this was not Bill. This was a savage whose image refused to blend with the ancient picture of a boy in shorts and shirt. The afternoon died away. The circular spots of sunlight moved steadily over green fronds and brown fiber, but no sound came from beneath the rock. At last, Ralph wormed out of the ferns and sneaked forward to the edge of that impenetrable thicket that fronted the neck of the land. He peered with elaborate caution between branches at the edge and could see Robert sitting on guard at the top of the cliff. He held a spear in his left hand and was tossing a pebble up and catching it again with the right. Behind him, a column of smoke rose thickly so that Ralph's nostrils flared and his mouth dribbled. He wiped his nose and mouth with the back of his hand and, for the first time since morning, felt hungry. The tribe must be sitting around the gutted pig watching the fat ooze and burn among the ashes. They would be intent. Another figure, an unrecognizable one, appeared by Robert and gave him something. They turned and went back behind the rock. Robert laid his spear on the rock beside him and began to gnaw between his raised hands. So the feast was beginning, and the watchman had been given his portion. Ralph saw that for the time being he was safe. He limped away through the fruit trees, drawn by the thought of the poor food, yet bitter when he remembered the feast. Feast today and then tomorrow... He argued unconvincingly that they would let him alone, perhaps even make an outlaw of him. But then the fatal, unreasoning knowledge came to him again. The breaking of the conch, the deaths of Piggy and Simon, lay over the island like a vapor. These painted savages would go further and further. There was that undefinable connection between himself and Jack, who therefore would never let him alone. Never. He paused, sun-flecked, holding up a bow, prepared to duck under it. A spasm of terror set him shaking, and he cried aloud, No, they're not as bad as that. It was an accident. He ducked under the bow, ran clumsily, then stopped and listened. Little uns, and not having any idea of his own appearance, 
wondered why they screamed and ran. When he'd eaten, he went towards the beach. The sunlight was slanting now into the palms by the wrecked shelter. There was the platform and pool. The best thing to do was to ignore this leaden feeling about his heart and rely on their common sense, their daylight sanity. Now the tribe had eaten, the thing to do was to try again. In any way, he couldn't stay here all night in an empty shelter by the deserted platform. His flesh crept, and he shivered in the evening sun. No fire, no smoke, no rescue. He turned and limped away through the forest towards Jack's end of the island. The slanting sticks of sunlight were lost among the branches. At length he came to a clearing in the forest where rock prevented vegetation from growing. And now it was a pool of shadows, and Ralph nearly flung himself behind a tree when he saw something standing in the center. But then he saw the white face was bone, and the pig's skull grinned at him from the top of a stick. He walked slowly into the middle of the clearing and looked steadily at the skull that gleamed as white as ever the conch had done and seemed to jeer at him cynically. An inquisitive ant was busy in one of the eye sockets, but otherwise the thing was lifeless. Or was it? Little prickles of sensation ran up and down his back. He stood the skull on a level with his face, and held up his hair with two hands. The teeth grinned. The empty socket seemed to hold his gaze masterfully and without effort. What was it? The skull regarded Ralph like one who knows all the answers and won't tell. A sick fear and rage swept him. Fiercely, he hit out at the filthy thing in front of him that bobbed like a toy and came back, still grinning into his face, so that he lashed and cried out in loathing. Then he was licking his bruised knuckles and looking at the bare stick, while the skull lay in two pieces, its grin now six feet across. He wrenched the quivering stick from the crack, held it as a spear between him, and the white pieces. Then he backed away, keeping his face to the skull that laid grinning at the sky. When the green glow had gone from the horizon and night was fully accomplished, Ralph came again to the thicket in front of the castle rock. Peeping through, he could see the height was still occupied and whoever was up there had a spear at the ready. He knelt among the shadows and felt his isolation bitterly. They were savages, it was true, but they were human, and the ambushing fears of the deep night were coming on. Ralph moaned faintly. Tired though he was, he could not relax and fall into a well of sleep for fear of the tribe. Might it be possible to walk boldly into the fort, say, I've got packs, laugh lightly and sleep among the others. Pretend they were still boys, schoolboys, who'd said, 
Yes, sir, sir, and worn caps. Daylight might have answered yes, but darkness and the horrors of death said no. Laying there in the darkness, he knew he was an outcast. Because I had some sense. He rubbed his cheek along his forearm, smelling the acrid scent of salt and sweat and the staleness of dirt. Over the left, the waves of the ocean were breathing, sucking down, and then boiling back over the rock. There were sounds coming from behind the castle rock. Listening carefully, detaching his mind from the swing of the sea, Ralph could make out a familiar rhythm. Kill the beast, cut his throat, spill his blood. The tribe was dancing. Somewhere on the other side of this rocky wall, there would be a dark circle, a glowing fire, and meat. It would be savoring food and the comfort of safety. Goodness, it's turning out to be an exciting final chapter. We will continue it tomorrow morning on the show on Chapter 12 of Lord of the Flies. Wow, fantastic. All right, full show tonight. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. If uh, you want, you can also, by the way, follow our podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple iTunes. Anywhere you find your podcast, you will find us, and we really do appreciate it. It's the audio part of this show. We do live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. And uh, you can check it out. Take us with you if you like. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I will see you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.